if we want to be good UX writer, we need to be able to have good critical thinking because we need to analyze the situations and the constraints and the needs and the goals. It's really important to have all of those elements. This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Hello and welcome to Writers in Tech, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub, which is an online education platform for UX writers, content designers, and product writers. My name is Yuval Keshtecher, and I'm the founder of the UX Writing Hub and the host of the Writers in Tech podcast. And today... I have a special guest, and his name is Axel Viersack. Axel, how are you? I'm good, and you? I'm pretty good. Happy to have you here. And let's dive right in. I know that today you work as a senior UX writer, content designer at Talent. So tell us more about what you do. Yeah, so I work at Talent, which is like a company specialized in softwares for data. So we create the softwares for data analysts, data engineers, all the jobs that could exist in data. And I'm part of the UX team, which contains a lot of UX designers, product designers, UX researchers. And I am a team of one of content designer, as most of my peers, I'd say. What I do is on a daily basis, I'm going to tackle all of the different wording needs. And on the long terms, I'm going to work with the UX designers and the UX researchers on how to improve the content for these data softwares. Our goal is to make them as easy as possible to use because data is a complex subject and the software to make them are also really complex. So I'd say like my main goal is how to use content to ease the use and ease the work with data. And how I got there, I mean, I've been working in content for the last seven years or so. And I started as a content writer. I think a lot of people writing blog posts, blog articles. I went into SEO. I kind of specialized into that. So writing a lot of stuff, also like PDFs and white books and all of the things that you could actually write and find in internet. And after having worked in marketing for several years, kind of missed something. And I figured it was like the user aspect so I did a bit of research and found UX writing. It was about four years ago. So it was not really well known in France because it's still not. So yeah, I started like that and kind of went into UX. That's amazing. Great story. I am curious to know about your work when it comes to... Okay, so you're building a tool for data analysts. And that's in order to be a good data analyst, you need to master the skills of being a good data analyst. So in order to create experience that will feel good to those people, you kind of need to know what it's like to be a data analyst yourself, right? Yeah, it's part of the things that I want to do, kind of dive into what it's like being a data analyst or data engineer or data scientist, because like we have about eight different products and we address all of the different needs in the data world. So that's why I try to work as closely as possible with the UX researchers to have all of those information. Something that is a bit tricky today is that as I am the only content designer, well, it takes time that I don't necessarily have. So I rely a lot on the collaboration with the UX researcher and the content designer to provide me with the, those information. And also a lot with the, the PMs and POs that, that lead the subject. 
Mm -hmm. You meant the UX researcher and the product designer, right? And also the product managers, because they, they know pretty much their subjects, their products, and they work really closely with the customers that they have. And how do you make it easy for them to work with you? I mean, like, how do you communicate with them? Yeah, that is something that I think was one of the most complicated to do at the beginning because while well, UX writing was a bit known in the company because we had one principal technical writer who then become the first UX writer in the company. So she did a bit of evangelization of what is UX writing and why it is important. But then, yeah, there is this layer of not just communication and information, but of just building a proper relationship. So what I try to do as much as possible is being there in meetings that I can to just make myself visible because you need people to know who you are so that they can contact you. And also, I mean, I think a lot of you try to experience that, but keep on telling people what I am here for, not just wording checks, but also proper experience building and just, yeah, letting them know that there is someone who is there to help them build the experience content-wise. And do you feel like as time goes by, people understand more the value of content design and UX writing in your company? Yeah, I think it takes time because, you know, in this company, a lot of people have been there for the last 10 years or so. So like habits have a way of staying. But with time, I think that people, yeah, really understand why it's important and they can see by themselves how what I do versus what they do is different and why that could be better too. I think the next step could be to have metrics about that because for now we don't have time to properly evaluate and scale what we do and measure the impact of what I do. So, And how would you do something like that if you had the opportunity? That's a really good question. I'm still working on that. I don't really have the proper answer. I saw that there was a book. It's going to be released, I think, beginning of December also about the different aspects of the business value and how you can implement the habits of measuring the different impacts of content. So I really look forward to that book because that's definitely something that I need to learn more about. I've been used to work with A-B tests, different ways of testing the content, but not really measuring the results and having the proper data to see what your content do. That's a challenge that most of our industry is facing. And I'm also looking forward to this book. We're going to have the author of that book in our podcast soon. Yael Ben-David is her name. Awesome. Yep. Looking forward to it. That's awesome. So I know that you also were like, you're part of the mentorship tip at the UX Writing Hub. Could you tell us more about your experience as a mentor? Yeah, of course. With pleasure. I started mentorship in January. So it's going to be a year soon. Time goes by so fast. No, that's really amazing. That's actually an amazing experience. And I, I found the, this opportunity really just by luck. I don't even remember how that happened, but I just submit to it. And I feel it was a way of growing as a UX writer too, because I met different people that I still have contact with. And I feel I learned as much with them as they did with me. And that was amazing because I love sharing what I do. I love sharing about writing and UX writing and content design because I'm absolutely passionate about writing in general. And being with people with different backgrounds and different levels of professional maturity too, because in the UX writing academy, you have like beginners, but you also have people who have been working in different areas for the last 20 or 30 years. And having such a diverse background in front of you is like so interesting. And you learn so much about 
your own work because they have a way of seeing you writing that you never thought about because it relates to their own experience to how they confront a user in their daily basis or in their previous job and that's amazing like humanly and professionally i think it's really an amazing experience there are many people out there that are a bit concerned because the industry is changing and there's like just meta just laid off like 11,000 employees and few of them are content designers. What's your take on like what's happening right now in the industry when it comes to like the future of our profession? Yeah, I paid attention to that because for the last six months, I think like a lot of tech companies have lived through huge layoffs. And I think on a daily basis, I see posts on LinkedIn about people being laid off somewhere again. And it's really hard. Like it's a really, really hard period. And I think even if you're not concerned directly, it's necessarily something that makes you think about your place and am I going to be the next or how safe are we? Because we also have this particularity of being in a job that exists for a few years or being, is being only now democratized. So there is this kind of uncertain regarding our profession. But in the same time, I think it's part of a global post-pandemic situation. And also like th this pandemic has made people think about a lot of things and of course has impacted the global economy. So to me, it's not necessarily that we are all endangered or that we should think about doing something else except content design, because I do feel that our job is necessary and we evolve towards a more digital and more virtual world where we need to have this concern about what language do to that. But I do think that there is, if this is just a temporary situation that is just a reflection of what we've been through for the last years and how investors and companies react to that. Because like there is something that I saw in a paper was an economist saying that this is kind of a circular situation where companies have investors and investors kind of take a bit of their money back. So companies will take some people away. And so as people have been sent away, investors will again take some money back. And it's just like an infinite loop of kind of a dialectic relationship between the investors and the company that just, yeah, scale down, unfortunately. Yeah, there's a lot of like financial aspects to this question, like layoffs and whatever is going on right now. I understand from this situation is related to what you said before about proving why UX writing and content design is important for businesses. Mm. Because what I see is that, okay, so companies were very big because they were over evaluated themselves to investors, to themselves. On paper, they were worth like, half a billion dollars, but where they actually were worth less than that. And they had a lot of money, a lot of cash flow, and they just hired too many people. And now they're laying them off. With that being said, companies that have good business, you see those companies, they don't lay off people because it's a good business. It means they're profitable, means they're making money, good money. So they don't need to lay off anyone. So what I think is that as a community, the more we prove to our teams and companies that we have a direct impact on the business and the profitability of the business, the less layoffs we're going to have for people in our industry. Obviously, it's not our call to have. We can't control that kind of stuff. It's bigger than us. But the more that we work as a community to prove why UX writing is good for the business and what EIL is doing, for example, I think it's a very smart 
and needed book to everyone, to us and to people outside of the community to know why it's important. So I'm optimistic here. I also see like layoffs mostly for content designers in social media apps or like e-com companies, but in like SaaS products that, that are growing or like fintech apps, I see, to be honest, a lot of hirings lately for UX writers and content designers. And I'm happy about that. Yeah, that was something that I was going to tell you. It's like, it's really particular because we have in the same time a huge period of layoffs, but also a huge period of hiring in the content design field, which is really interesting to see that. It is. I wonder what's going to happen, but I'm optimistic uh, after all. Can you tell me a little bit about challenges uh, of working on specifically a B2B product? So working on, on product that is for professionals, like the one uh, of uh, talent? Yeah, I'd say like for now, this company is a bit particular because we're also in a transitioning situation. So I'd say like my problematic for now, not related to the product being a BND product, but more about the organization of the company itself and the processes. As I was telling you, like most of the employees have been there for the last 10 years and we are in a period of huge changes. And I think mainly since I work there, um, yeah, the different constraints and the challenges that I've had were about giving content design visibility and also building processes. And I'm still working on that because it takes time. Like some stuff that I've been trying to put at the beginning of the year have now to be reshaped because of organizational changes, because of team changes, because of layoffs, because of all of those environments. So it's a bit difficult to kind of lay down foundations and solid foundations that could still remain even if I leave at some point or else. But for now, it's more those kind of challenges because being one content designer, a team of one content designer does not give as much weight as necessary to refurbish an entire process within an organization. And you need to have processes with PMs, with POs, with devs, with the translation team, with the UX team, with the marketing team, because that's what content design is about. It's being in the middle of all of those stakeholders. And you need to have specific processes to have all of those pipelines working perfectly and harmoniously. And for now, I think it's one of my biggest challenges. And it's also why I can't really be in the product challenges for now, because it's still too early regarding the global maturity about the content design. So I have to say that for now, I'm more in a wording check kind of perspective, because people start now to understand that I've been here for a year and I'm working on that. But it's more on some projects, I'm going to be working directly from the beginning. And I've been trying to implement a content first methodology. So it's kind of starting to to take a little bit. But yeah, mainly I've been kind of dealing with localization issues, how to build processes and ways of being there as soon as possible and as early as possible. Because up until now, people over different teams were more about telling me in the last minute and I've heard like so many times, okay, we're going to release that in two days. Can you do a word check? Like, I mean, yeah, I can, but doing so, I'm going to probably ask you to change some stuff regarding the design because the way that you wrote stuff and present the information is not necessarily the best way to do so if we want to be efficient. Do you have any processes to manage your copy inside of the design tool or outside of the design tool? Is there like a copy management 
process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's something that I'm also trying to instill because we have a team of technical writers at Allen, which is absolutely awesome. And I've tried to also build a, a huge collaboration with them because they're kind of the extension of what I do. I mean, because I can't work on all of the eight products all, all alone. And they've been doing that for many years, way before I, I joined the company. So I rely a lot on them. And I'm trying to use a plugin for Figma that is called, and I'm sure you've heard of it, Dito, to have those processes and also have a way to document the different content decisions that we take and create a content library and have all of those aspects in one place. I'm working a lot in the on the design system right now because uh, we've had a design system team that has built an amazing design system with all of the different components that have been built and all of the variations. So I'm working on that to kind of instill content guidelines for each component and have a proper design system with all of the different guidelines that you can find. So my idea is to be working as much as possible on all of the existing foundation to kind of add a content layer and then be able to see how everything works as a whole and then be able to refine all of that if we need to. This way it could give all of the teams all of the information that they need about the words, about the rules, about the different content guidelines to be able to work as much as possible without me because now I'm still one and I don't know how much it's going to take. But Sounds like we're, they are very lucky to have you, to be honest. <laughs> That's good. Can you share with us some tips and tricks to implement your guidelines inside of the design systems? It's a challenge that I tried to tackle many times in the past. It was very, very challenging for me. Yeah, it can be a bit tricky. Something that I do, that I love to do is to take when companies have that and generally UX team will have a Figma or a Sketch or a file that will reunite all of the design components. I'm going to start from that and then I'm going to look for different occurrences in the product, within the product. So Sometimes I do that alone or I do that with the technical writers or with the UX team and try to ask as much as possible, like what are the different occurrences of this component? Then seeing all of the different contexts and occurrences of this component, I'm going to see which one are needed or not, because sometimes we're going to have two occurrences that are really similar. And so we can create some kind of global rule because I think the idea is to categorize as much as possible and be in a some kind of atomic design methodology, but regarding the content and identify different contexts that are similar and different situations that are similar so that you can build rules. Of course, you're going to have exceptions because that's how life works, but it allows to create a system. And I think a systemic approach for a design system, of course, is the best way to go, even for the content aspect, because you need to be able to have rules that will help you. Like in this context, you're going to identify all of these elements because this context generates such emotions or depends on such environment for the user. So you're going to react in such or such way because of the proper kind of cohabitation and expected feeling or thinking for the user. It is. Uh, but how do you end up making sure that people actually use it? <laughs> that's another line. Yeah, that's a definitely another challenge. How do you ensure that people use it? Well, up until now is by repeating them that it exists and telling them that they can use it. So 
I think there's a, a huge work of communication as a content designer within the company because people need to learn what you do. And then once they understand what you do, they need to understand how that can help them. So I'd say like every time someone asks me something that I know they could have done themselves, I'm going to tell them, well, I'm going to help you, of course, but for the next time there is also this or this element that you could use to help you build a first iteration, for example. So just repeating people and letting them know. For now, it's the only solution that I've had time to gather or to build, I'd say, because you need to have time to build processes. As you said, like it takes time to change old habits and that's how you do it. You just have to nudge people yeah. to use it and to make sure they are aware to it until it's a standard, until you don't have to do it anymore. So you told me like you've been working on a design system too? I've been working on design system myself. Like I've built a few uh, in the past as a UX designer. In the UX Learning Hub, we had a few projects where we tried to implement style guides and design systems uh, in different companies. And the challenge that we always had was, okay, now what? What are we going to do with it? Especially when you don't work at the company, it's even more challenging because yeah. people are like, okay, that's nice, but now what? So I like to say that this, a content design system and a design system, it's like a living organism that you need to always update and mm -hmm. remove fluff or stuff that is not relevant anymore. And one design system is going to be completely different in a few years afterwards because things are going to change and the brand is going to change and the product is going to change. So yeah, don't have much experiences working hands on a single content design system in a company for a marathon in a product team, but definitely something I exposed. I was exposed a lot in many different companies and organizations, which was cool. So I want to ask you, getting into the last part of our interview, what kind of resources would you recommend for people that are listening to us right now? like professional resources that you'd follow, except for that book recommendation you had? Well, as you might know, I've, I come from a background of human sciences. I think has helped me a lot getting into writing for digital, I mean, content, content writing, a different kind of digital writing. Something that has helped me a lot, actually, human sciences books. So of course, there are a lot of today, like, UX writing or content design books that exist. But I think some of the fundamentals are also in methodology for writing in itself and methodology for academic research or just for critical thinking or stuff like that are really interesting. And for example, I've worked a lot on different philosophy, like philosophy of language and philosophy of psychology. And these are fields in which you can find really interesting elements for any digital writing, but especially like argumentation treaties. I have to find the, the name. I, I could, I think I could send you uh, the link to, to this book. It's called uh, The Argumentation Treaty. And it's really, really interesting because it, it, it kind of gives you all the tools to understand how to properly analyze what someone else is saying or writing and how to have a critical way of thinking about that and then be able to answer to that. Because even though we are in a UX field, it's also important to not just dwell into the emotional aspects and to be able to understand all of the critical elements. And if we want to be a good UX writer, we need to be able to have good critical thinking because we need to analyze the situations and the constraints and the needs and the goals. It's 
really important to have all of those elements. One of the books that I'm working a lot right now with is the book of Rachel McConnell, Leading Content Design, because we're going to have to build a content design team. And I think it's particularly helpful in how to properly scale the different skills in content design within a team, because it has a lot of tools for when you have a team of three or four people, people are not going to have the same skills. So you can find ways and processes on how to best scale and balance all of those elements together. I take a lot of pleasure in reading that book. But yeah, mainly I'd say as much as classical books as possible, just for the writing aspects. But then again, it depends if people are more into the writing aspect of UX writing or more into the UX aspect of UX writing, because it changes a lot too. All right, great resources. I will check them out. I'd love for a follow-up about the name of that book. We will add it to the show notes. And my last question for you for today would be maybe the second last question. So it would be, <laughs> how would you name this episode? How would I name this episode? I mean, I'd say something around navigating UX writing as a as a team of one or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I also catched the team of one while you said it like 15 minutes ago. So I think we'll definitely have to add that component over there. <laughs> cool. We'll add the editor and the show notes uh, right here to do the rest. Shout out to Anya that is doing our show notes these days. Thank you so much, Anya. Oh, thanks, Anya. <laughs> All right. So that's the last question. The last question is, in case people would like to reach out and find you, what would be the best way to do that? Oh, definitely on LinkedIn. You know, everyone says LinkedIn lately, so I would just have to say, can I add your LinkedIn to the show notes? <laughs> yes, yes, of course. I'll rephrase that question for future interviews, because inter like, I feel like LinkedIn became the main hub for professionals to just talk to each other, like not emails. You don't have like Slack of people that you don't know. Well, absolutely. I think you're right about that. It's like, to me, it's the best way to reach out to people and being reached to, like definitely LinkedIn. Nice. So I will add your link to the show notes. <laughs> it was a pleasure talking to you, Axel. Thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure too. Thanks a lot. You are awesome, man. Okay. And thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Writers in Tech that was brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. My name is Yuval. I am the founder of the UX Writing Hub. And I would love to invite you to take our free UX Writing course. Just go to the UX Writing Hub website. That's uxwritinghub.com. Take the free UX writing course, check our blog, check our weekly newsletter. We invest a lot of effort to produce this type of resources for you so you could learn, get into the field, or just get better at UX writing. And that's about it. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next time. Bye.